are listening to audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. All right, good morning, church. Uh, today's scripture passage is from Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. Uh, and you can follow along in the chat if you do not have your Bible in front of you. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, James, for reading that. Good morning, church. Uh, So good to be with you guys this morning in worship. Uh, I'm actually not going to be bringing the message this morning. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce uh, the person who is, which is my brother. Uh, My brother Ben is with us this morning. Ben is a pastor uh, in in Pleasant View, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. Um, And um, Ben is one of the big reasons that I'm in ministry. Uh, he was not only a brother to me growing up, but uh, mentored me, and um, a big piece of my spiritual journey uh, involves him. And so, man, it's my honor, it's my privilege to, to introduce Ben to you this morning. Ben's going to be uh, bringing the word to us. Uh, so, everybody, welcome Ben by giving a wave or a, a thumbs up as he comes to bring the message to us this morning. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much, Andy. Uh, I'm super honored and excited to be with you this morning. Uh, Andy texted me a couple weeks ago. He said, do you want to, you want to preach? And I was like, yes. Uh, and I always spring at the opportunity to learn, uh, to preach, to teach. Um, and he asked me, he said, which, which parable you want to, you want to tackle? And I said, I think I want to do, uh, the persistent widow because I remember for a long time, this parable confused me. Um, and so it was a good opportunity to really make sure I, I understood it well, uh, so I'm excited to, to be teaching this morning from this. Um, now, I know you guys, you've been in this series for a few weeks and have already talked some about what a parable is, but I always like to review things. Um, and uh, Leon Morris has this really good definition here. He says, a parable can take the form uh, of a story or uh, a simile or a metaphor. Um, it's an appeal to what people know from the ordinary things of life, uh, but Jesus is teaching a spiritual truth with it. So Jesus takes really ordinary things, but then he dives deeper to share a spiritual truth. Uh, And then R.T. France goes on and he says, a parable is an utterance which does not carry its meaning on the surface. It demands thought and perception if the hearers to benefit from it. So it's not just a story to make things really simple. It's actually a story to draw us in and make us think. And as Andy has said uh, in the past, he says, every parable in some way 
is a call to repentance and deeper faith in God. Uh, it's not just a simply a matter of understanding it, but God wants to draw us in and challenge us and change our hearts. Now, in today's parable, we're going to, the, the way it makes sense to me is there's a lot of comparisons. Um, and comparisons can be fun. They can be fun discussions around the campfire at night. You know, is it Coca-Cola or is it Pepsi? You know, is it uh, Michael Jordan or is it LeBron James, who's the GOAT? You know, is it uh, Auburn football or is it Alabama football? Uh, or if you're from my neck of the woods, is it Mississippi State football or a school that we won't mention? Um, there's all these different comparisons. And in this parable, you're going to see um, that there are really three comparisons. Uh, the first is that we have a comparison between the unrighteous judge and our righteous judge in heaven. God the Father. The second comparison is between the persistent widow and us. She, she was persistent. Are we persistent? And the third comparison is really between um, what, we, what Jesus says, because he says some very specific things in here, and then what our experience is, because sometimes those seem to be different. We feel like Jesus is really clearly saying this in the word, but as I'm living every day, that doesn't seem to be the case. And so what do I do with that when there seems to be a little bit of dissonance between what I believe and know that is true with Jesus, but what I perceive in my own life is not true. And we're going to wrestle with that and wrestle through being persistent in the midst of that. Uh, so that's, that's where we're headed today. Uh, you know, a major facet of Christianity involves believing things that we can't see. You know, we, we know somehow as the spirit of God tells us, or as we read it in the word that these things are true, but at the same time, it involves faith and it's hard and we wish it was more straightforward. And sometimes it's not. When I was a little boy, uh, I'd heard the gospel probably hundreds of times growing up in church, but around the time that I was seven, I went home from church one day and I felt the spirit of God speaking to me in a way that he hadn't spoke before. And he was saying, Ben, you need the forgiveness that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. You need to invite Jesus into your heart. And I felt my guilt and I felt my need for God. And that's when I first became a Christian because I, I, I asked God if he would come into my life and save me, but, but it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't something that I could see. I could perceive that this was real, but it wasn't just as straightforward as maybe we wished it would be. Um, but, but nevertheless, it, you know, it, it required faith on my part. And, and the Christian life is a faith journey. It's a series of, of faith and then faith and then faith and then faith. And we can't really escape that. And that's why prayer is so important. So let's jump into these comparisons. Uh, the first one is the unrighteous judge uh, and the righteous judge. First comparison. Now, uh, we see in verse two, um, here's what Jesus says. He says, he said, in a certain city, there was a judge, and listen how to how it describes him, who neither feared God nor respected man. Uh, Leon Moore says, this 
judge was controlled only by his own ideas and inclinations. Another uh, commentator said he was nothing but a hateful egotist. Here then is a judge without any love for justice and as to sympathy for the oppressed and satisfaction because in his capacity as judge, he might be able to help them. He did not know what sympathy was. Tender feelings were completely foreign to him. He goes on to say, evidently the judge knew that the widow's claim was just, but he probably also knew that she was unable to bribe him and had little or no influence in the city. And I. Howard Marshall says, although the judge was legally required to give precedence to the widow's case, he was either unwilling to do so, maybe because he was lazy, or he just didn't dare do it. And we've all known somebody like this, haven't we? We've all known somebody that was out for themselves, didn't really care about other people, was completely self-centered, and would even do harm to other people or not do their job simply because they were the only person that they cared about. And then we compare that to, uh, to God the Father. Even this judge, before we move on to God the Father, even this judge, when he did do what was right, did it for selfish motives. When he finally relented, it was just because this woman was driving him nuts and he gave in. Um, so that, that's the picture of the unrighteous judge. But the righteous judge, look at verses six through eight in this parable. And it says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God, your father, give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Leon Morris says that this parable is, it's this type of parable. It's the how much more variety. In other words, look at the unrighteous judge. And he even in this one instance finally did what was right. But how much more will your heavenly father do what's right every single time? That's how we're supposed to take this parable and understand it. It's not that God has to be pestered in order uh, for us to break through, but that he longs for us to talk to him all the time. He's not at all like the unrighteous judge. He does want to give justice to his elect, to his chosen people. He will not delay long over us. He will give justice to us speedily. Here's what the Bidi Anyabwile says. He says, if an unrighteous judge who fears no one is eventually moved by persistent pleading, how much more does a righteous judge moved by compassion, goodness, mercy, and faith hear the prayers of his people who pray night and day? Contrary to the human judge's slowness, God gives justice swiftly. That's who we're dealing with. I'll never forget, it was actually at Emmanuel years ago. Well, it was actually before it was Emmanuel. It was when it was, uh, uh, I'm forgetting all the R words. Uh, renovate. Renovate. I want to say restoration, but that's another church I know. Renovate. Uh, the, a few of us got together and had a little um, uh, gospel in the South sort of meeting. And a guy named Chuck Geschwind was speaking. And he said, people in the South tend to believe that God is right. They just don't tend to believe he's good. And sometimes we think that God's like the unrighteous judge. 
and forget that he's actually like the righteous judge. But throughout scripture, we see that God is always just and he longs to be gracious to us. He's merciful and loving and faithful and compassionate. That's who we're dealing with. That's who we're praying to. Um, the second comparison that I want you to see today is between the persistent widow and us. Now, in verse three, it says, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. One commentator says this, the, the widow was almost a symbol of helplessness. She was in no position to bribe the judge and she had no protector to bring pressure to bear on him. She was armed with nothing but the fact that right was evidently on her side. And she didn't ask for vengeance. She just asked for justice. And she persisted in that. The BD says, in our Lord's day, a widow lived in near complete dependence on others. She had no family and likely no income. And the parable implies that she has at least one enemy who opposes her. Another commentator, this widow had been unjustly treated. Someone may have deprived her of the little she had or may have prevented her from, from receiving that to which she was entitled. So she went to the judge, hoping that he would confirm her claim and give her whatever justice demanded. This would probably also imply punishment for her opponent. But the emphasis is mainly on her faith and persistence. Now, again, we probably all know somebody like this. We know somebody that, honestly, they seem pretty trapped in the situation they're in. They don't have money to really change their situation. They don't have family or much family that can really change their situation. They're, they're not in contact with anybody of importance. It's not like they can make a few phone calls uh, for somebody uh, to help them who's like, higher up in the city or in the community. They're honestly just kind of where they're at. And there's not a lot they can do. And uh, that was this widow. But the one thing that she did have, which this was that she was persistent. She continued to call on this judge day and night. You know, she was, she was knocking on his door. Boom, boom, boom. Will you give me justice? She was, she was tagging him on Twitter and saying, can you da-da-da-da-da-da? She was DM, DMing him on Instagram. She, she was relentlessly, kindly, persistently asking this judge to give her the justice that she deserves. And the parable compares her to us. So in verse one, I mean, right off the bat, Jesus tells us the meaning of this parable in large part. In verse one, it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So we, his listeners, ought always to pray and not lose heart, the same way that this woman persisted in asking for justice and didn't lose heart. And then in verse 8, at the very end of us, again, Jesus asked this question of us, and he says, he says, the Father will give justice to to his people speedily. And then he asks this, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? 
essentially Jesus is asking us three questions. Will we continue in prayer? Will we not lose heart? Will we have faith that perseveres? They're all kind of the same question. If we have persevering faith, then we will continue in prayer. And if we do not lose heart, then we, uh, we will persevere in faith. And if we're praying persistently, that shows that we have not lost heart. And you could rearrange those. They're kind of all getting at the same thing. So let me ask you, do you pursue God consistently, regularly in prayer? Have you lost heart? Have you kind of given up? Or are you continuing, despite the circumstances, to pursue God, to persevere the way that the widow did? Jesus wants us to see ourselves as the widow and to persist. And that brings us to the third comparison, which is what Jesus says and then what we see in our own lives. What he says is the truth and then what we see happening on the earth. And the first thing that I want to tell you about is, is the context here. And we didn't really jump into it too much to begin with, but most of the commentators agree. If you actually look back at Luke 17, Jesus has just talked about the coming of the kingdom. He's talked about things at the parousia, at the end of time when Jesus, when he's coming again. And one of the great mysteries of the Bible that didn't immediately make, it makes sense to us now, but that at the time they didn't really understand was that there was going to be this huge period of time between when the Messiah came the first time. I don't even know if they knew he was going to come a second time. They perceived it all as the same event, like the Messiah's coming and he's going to set everything back right. And that's true. But there's a big gap. The Messiah's coming and inaugurating the kingdom. And then the church grows for we don't know how long. It's been 2,000 years. And eventually, Jesus is coming again, and he'll finish setting all things back right. Right now, the, the mustard seed is growing into a tree. The kingdom of God is growing and getting larger. And, and the message of the gospel is spreading more and more and more. But, there, but we, we, they didn't originally perceive that there was going to be this huge gap. But Jesus knew. And so it's almost by, if you look at the context, the end times, it's almost where he sets this parable. It's almost like Jesus perceived and is trying to let us in that you're going to pray sometimes and not immediately see that I'm listening and going to answer your prayers. In, in this time of the church age, things are not always going to be the way that they ought to be. C.S. Lewis said famously, you know, that if we find ourselves longing for the world in which we don't live, that's because we were made for another world. You know, this world as it currently is, is not the world the way that it should be or will be when Jesus finishes it, putting it all back right. And so the context here is that there's this time of waiting, sometimes when it takes a while for God to fully answer our prayers and to fully bring in the kingdom. Okay. Um, but but that's, that's the reality. And, and again, going back to what I said at the beginning, the reality is, is that the Christian life takes faith every step of the way. And sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and it 
we're like, God, are you listening? And, and we know that he is, but it's hard because it doesn't seem like he's answering as quickly as we want him to, or sometimes he's choosing to wait. We, we know in the, in the case of the church age, second Peter says uh, really clearly that God is, is patient not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He's not slow about keeping his promise of coming again. He's intentionally being patient to carry out his bigger plan. And so sometimes we pray and we don't see or we don't hear the answer that we want right away. And Jesus wants us to not lose heart, but to persist in prayer, even when it doesn't seem like our reality matches what he's saying. Okay, so I want to end the sermon with just some, some simple questions, maybe ways to prod you. Why are you not currently, if you're not, persisting in prayer, um, persevering in prayer? And, and there can be several. And, and as we go through these, um, if, you, if you feel like, man, yeah, that's, that's me a little bit right now, I wanna, I wanna encourage you to, to confess that to God and say, God, that's honestly, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm not praying right now. And I know that's sinful. And so I want to confess that to you. And I want to believe the gospel again. And, and I want to pursue prayer. So as we go over these, if you, if you find yourselves in one of these, you know, be, be pricked by the gospel and repent and believe again. But the first one is, the first reason is that we just might doubt the goodness of God to help us. We, we might not want to admit that, but it's, it's the truth. We picture God like the unrighteous judge. We picture him sometimes as out for himself and not out for our good. That was the original temptation in the garden. God wanted Eve to believe that he didn't, or Satan wanted Eve to believe that he wasn't really, that God wasn't really looking out for what was best for her, that God was trying to keep some good from her. Did God really say, I mean, certainly, why would you not want to eat this? God's not looking out for your best interests. And sometimes the enemy whispers similar things to us. And he makes us doubt that God is really good and really does love us. And so we might not pray to God because we might think, eh, he doesn't really care about me. A second reason we might not persevere in prayer is that we don't believe that we should persevere in prayer or that we're annoying God, maybe. You know, um, sometimes it feels like my kids can annoy me to death. You know, we, the, this, this week, uh, my oldest son, Stratton, decided that he wanted to learn how to play Risk, which, frankly, I'm all in on that. I'm like, awesome. Like, a, a, a sacred day has come where we, we're all going to learn how to play Risk as a family. Um, but it was like, yes. And I told him, I said, yes, on this day, after supper, we're going to play Risk. And then it was like, hey, Dad, can we play Risk? Hey, Dad, can we play Risk? And he asked me three or four times. And I just kept looking at him and saying, son, yes, yes. But when did I say we were going to play it? We're going to play it on Wednesday after supper. And we did. And he beat me. And then he beat me again the second time we played. And I'm still not quite over that. But, um, but sometimes we feel like we're, we're annoying God, but we're not. The, the character of God, the, the, the parents are bringing their children to, to Jesus and the disciples say, no, 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 no. And she says, no, let the children come to me. 
Let the children come to me. When we cry out to God in prayer, we're not pestering him. He's not annoyed. He wants us clearly by this parable to keep pursuing him, to persisting in prayer, to keep asking him. And maybe sometimes we do feel like we're pestering him. We just say, God, I don't even, I don't even know what to say here, but I'm just, I'm continuing to ask. And, and this is my heart. And he longs to hear from us. A third reason we might not persevere in prayer is that we believe God is powerless to help us, or maybe that our prayer doesn't really work. But we've prayed in the past, and we felt like God hadn't answered it, and so we're like, I don't, I don't even know if this works. I don't even know if this is worth my while. And maybe we become a little bit fatalistic. God's just going to do what he's going to do. Doesn't matter if I pray or not. And so we get lazy or we just don't believe it works. I was really compelled because a lot of this parable has to do specifically with praying for justice. I believe it extends beyond that. But the immediate context is this woman's praying for justice. And when I was reading uh, Thabiti Anyabwile's commentary, he talked about how a major part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s strategy was prayer. He was doing a lot of the other stuff, but he was praying constantly as he was praying for justice for the racial issues that were going on in America. And, and he, he talked about that. And then he said this, hear this quote from Thabiti. He says, the surest way to get justice in this world for God's people is not by marching, though marching may have its place. The surest way to achieve justice in this world is not by protest signs though those also may be appropriate. The surest way to find justice is never by rioting or burning down your own neighborhood. Justice comes most surely by falling on our knees with our heads bowed. When God's justice comes, it will be perfect, proportionate, and balanced. Pray for justice. We do more on our knees lifted in prayer than we do on our feet marching with our voices lifted in protest. We ought to protest in righteous causes that demand it, but we ought never to protest without praying before, during, and after. Do we have the persistent widow's kind of faith in seeking God? Sometimes we don't immediately see how our prayers are working. But Jesus assures us that the Father hears and that they are working. And that if we ask anything according to his name, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we ask. So I want to encourage you to remember and persevere and believe that it matters. Fourthly, uh, we doubt our right to cry for help. And so, man, I, I believe the enemy will really get this one on us sometimes. But sometimes we go, yeah, I know I need to pray. But I am so sinful. I've made such a mess of my life. I'm so screwed up that I, I don't have a right to pray. It would do any good if I prayed right now. God the Father can't hear me because my, my sin's in the way. I, I don't even know if he likes me anymore. And he begins to whisper these things to us. Now, it is true that persistent sin in our life can get in the way of our prayers. But all we have to do is 1 John 1, 9 that. 
if we confess with our sins, or no, that's, that's I'm quoting the wrong one. Um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just admit, it's not like you, your sin surprises God. <laughs> he's aware of it. Admit it, admit that it's wrong, confess it, and then pray to him and know that he hears you. Hebrews 4.15, this is so encouraging. This is talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You are not, you have not outsend your way out of, out of earshot of God. Jesus died so that your sin could be completely forgiven, even your future sins. And you have confident access to pray to the father. And he wants you to do that. Believe the gospel and pray, confess your sins. A fifth reason that we might not pray is that we're like, man, I, I'm not even sure how to do it. Maybe you're like, I'm fairly new to this thing and I don't have eloquent, eloquent words or I don't know the scriptures that well or I don't know if what I'm praying is even right or wrong or, and so I, I don't know if I can do this. But this especially comes out sometimes when we're in groups, people are like, I don't, I don't want to pray out loud. That's, I don't know how to do this. But listen, Romans 8 says, that the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we don't know how to pray, pray, and the spirit's going to make it make sense. He's going to help transform our prayers in, into what they ought to be. We even saw that in the kids lesson today, that sometimes we pray by listening. Um, we, we yield to God. We, we, we're not sure how to pray, but we know that we should pray and that God's going to help us. And a sixth reason that we might not pray is that, is that we think, Man, we have plenty of time. And here's what I mean by that. I, I know many people up in our area of the woods, we hear this story over and over and over again. People are kind of sowing their wild oats. And they go, man, I, I know I should be living differently. I know I should be spending time with God in prayer. I know sh I should be seeking him, but I've got time to do that. And right now, I'm just, I've, I'm so busy. I, I'm giving myself some me time and and in a couple months when things slow down or when life gets different or when I've kind of gotten this out of my system th then I'm going to pursue God in prayer but but right now you know I'm not and guys if you feel yourself in that at all that's that's just sin we we need to repent while there's time we don't know how long the time is and pursue God and realize that that God is the center of our lives, that he's the most important thing, that he is the air we breathe, that he's like the food that we eat, that he's our, our most important good, and that spending time with him, crying out to him for the things that we need, is not time wasted. It is true living. And so comparisons. A righteous judge, that's our father. An unrighteous judge. He's nothing like that. A persevering widow and us, will we be like that persevering widow, knowing that we have a perfect heavenly father who loves to listen to us? And then this dissonance, 
what we see and what Jesus says? Will we trust when what we see doesn't seem to align with what he says that we still believe the Bible, that we still believe what he says is true, and that one day we will see it with our eyes, even if we can't see it now? I want to end with this quote by Thabiti. And he says, do not grow weary in prayer because a good God is listening who does not fear man and will respond out of his goodness to provide for his people. That's the point the Lord wants his disciples to hear. If we come to him in prayer, seeking him in faith, then he will reward us with the justice we seek. Let's pray. Father, uh, I believe everything I've just taught about. And yet my own reality sometimes, God, is that I do not persist in prayer the way that I ought to. Lord, we're all tempted by all these various reasons. You know, sometimes we doubt your goodness. Sometimes we feel too busy. Sometimes we think you won't really listen to us. Sometimes we're tempted to believe prayer doesn't work. And on and on. Lord, we're tempted to not really pursue you in your word and in prayer, to not persist, to not keep praying for that person that we want to see come to faith, to wonder if things are ever going to change, to wonder if you're ever going to give us the answer we seek. But Lord, would you help us to believe again today that you really are good, that you really want us to pray, that it really does work, and that it's our highest good to spend time with you and to seek you. Lord, would you help us to be faithful and to believe today? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a sermon from Emmanuel Church. To learn more about Emmanuel or to give, go to Emmanuel with an I, Birmingham.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Emmanuel Birmingham.